On a mission to change the way consumers purchase glasses, GlassesUSA.com was created on one simple belief. Eyewear shouldn't break the bank. It's the smart way to buy glasses. GlassesUSA.com allows consumers to purchase eyewear from the convenience of their own home and offers a wide variety of high-quality frames and lenses at affordable prices and with no risk. And these aren't generic frames. These are brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Tom Ford, and Calvin Klein. So head on over to GlassesUSA.com, use promo code ALMIGHTY, that's promo code A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y, and get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout. Again, GlassesUSA.com, promo code ALMIGHTY. Welcome to the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. So, hey, Ben, I, we're just going to do like 30 minutes maximum, you know, just kind of talk about the game, talk about the ankle, talk about the next game, and just do it quick. How about that? Sounds do you great. need to go somewhere? Or, I mean, just uh, because he got to go over? No, I don't have to be anywhere. I'm good to go. Okay. Ready, Ryan? I, I do, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i like uh, 5 o'clock, I'm out of here for sure. For sure. Okay, I guess. Is that okay? I mean, or, or do you just want to continue without well, if I me? Tell you, if I tell you no, I mean, are you going <laughs> to... Well, I could just leave yeah. it running. I could leave the uh, computer running. Boom. I mean, do you really want to talk to Ben longer than you have to? Let's roll. <laughs> okay. Congratulations, you... Congratulations. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 448 of the Spurs cast. Man, that is dangerously close to 450. This is the original San Antonio Spurs radio show and podcast brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I am your host, Ryan McCallum, and I'm here with your hero, Jose Grijalva. And Jose, we are joined by a special guest, Mr. Benjamin Bornstein, all the way from the East Coast, joins us on our little show today. Ben, how you doing, man? Um, I'm great. That's the most positive use of special that's been used to describe me in a very long time. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure you. I'm sure you don't care to elaborate. This is a family show. It is. Yes, I do not care to elaborate. Speaking about family, Jose, you got family joining you over at your house because um, you can't do anything on time. So I'm sure this is a Mother's Day celebration happening today, right? No, they're no. I just, wow, so just easily dismissed of my of my joke. I yeah. Man, you, you got no time. I didn't get it. Well, I, you, I didn't get you know. You made a good effort, Ryan. I thought it was good. See, these intros would just be dry if I was. See, this is why that guy stopped me at that Spurs game and said, "You're not as funny as the other guy." And I totally agree with that. 
I totally agree with it. Well, guys, what's not funny is uh, the oft-injured ankle of Kawhi Leonard. We're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, game one of the Western Conference Finals could not have gone any better if you shut off the TV at the first half with a 20-point lead, 62-42, to 42, uh, and then things really unraveled from there. Uh, so I, I want to work our way through the game, and we'll talk a little bit about game two and, and what the Spurs are going to have to do. But, you know, let's talk about just that first quarter and the Spurs. You talk about a run. I mean, you remember, the best two teams in the Western Conference other than themselves are Houston and Golden State. In the last six quarters of basketball, I mean, these guys out, were, were like plus 60 over the Rockets, of course, you know, ultimately winning that game by 39 uh, in Game 6, and then they're up 20 at halftime against Golden State. That first quarter and in the entire first half, the Spurs seemingly could do no wrong, and Golden State had no answer for San Antonio and any lineup that San Antonio would throw out there. The San Antonio just looked deeper. Jose, what did Gold, what was the difference in that first quarter? I mean, how did San Antonio get off to such a, a quick start? Like how uh, I explained last podcast, I guess you weren't listening. This is a you know sort of a hybrid of the last two opponents. I think San hold Antonio on, hold was on, hold comfortable. On, time out, time out. What is a hybrid? Yes, What's a hybrid? Hybrid. Hybrid. Well, you said hybrid. Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Anyways, again, um, tear you down to make English is hard. Feel better. Okay. Tear you down to build me up. Uh, well, remember, uh, Memphis was that big physical team. Houston was a small, quick team. Now, really, Golden State is a little bit of both. Uh, so I think I think they were expecting it. They were you know, sort of used to it. Uh, that's why I think they went in there with really no pressure. It, it was just uh, they, they made out uh, the best they could out of that situation, which, you know, they were up by 20 or so. That's right. Ben, what, what about Kawhi's game uh, was, was really hitting on all cylinders in that first half? I mean, he was – I think he finished with 26 points. You know, by the time he was injured, but in all facets of the game, Kawhi was killing it. He was doing, he was having a Kawhi Leonard God mode game, mm-hmm. which was perfect, which is exactly what the Spurs needed to get the series started. And then Petrulia things happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, things took a turn for the worse there. But Kawhi Leonard, like you said, was doing a little bit of everything. He was highly efficient, too. I think he had. 27 points on like 13 or 15 shots. Yeah, in, was, in I think he was 22 minutes, some, right? Yeah, he was something like 7 of 13 in 22 minutes with 27 points and when he came out of the game he was plus 21. Yeah, ridiculous stats from that guy. And you know, and they went into this thinking, "Oh, we're going to need it." And they did. But LaMarcus played great in that first. I mean, everybody for San Antonio outside of Pau Gasol were playing phenomenally. And I, I kind of want to settle in on Pau Gasol because he was just a, a total non-factor in this game, both ends of the court, got a lot of fouls, just seemed really slow, really sluggish. Um, before we get into, you know, the the Warriors and what they failed to do in that first half and then obviously the injury and, and moving forward through, through the game, can we talk a little bit about Pau Gasol? Because, you know, now um, knowing that, that Kawhi Leonard is, is injured, um, the Spurs should be expecting, you know, a future Hall of Famer to do more than he did. What about Pau Gasol's game, Jose, is just seemingly not translating, or did he just have a bad game? 
Uh, I, I don't think it's going to translate until he gets comfortable facing up. He needs to face up against any warrior that's guarding him. These guys are trying to post up. It's really not working because once they get that initial push on the offensive player, whether it be Gasol or Aldridge, they just get you know flustered. They don't know what to do. They go away from the basket, throw up a little fadeaway shot or whatever they try to do. So until they get comfortable with facing up to the basket, try you know maybe a little pump fake and then driving in. I don't see them getting, you know, having too much of an influence in this game. I hate to say it. I wish they would, you know, sort of adapt to the situation. But they were really forcing a lot of uh, plays that really weren't working. LaMarcus up at the high post, you know, I think it was like 10 times in a row and nothing happened. You know, nothing came out of it. And they still went to it. Uh, You know, that's why, you know, I I put out a controversial tweet, of course, uh, from the Spurs cast handle. Just so you could be responsible for it, too. Because, you know, whatever I say, you say it, too, right? Sure. Um, I said Pop was being outcoached, and I still believe it to an extent. Because, again, if that didn't work, you know, if that didn't work two or three times, I think you have to either call a timeout and change it up or just tell those guys run something else. They could have run a pick and roll. They could have run a pick and pop. But they went to that same play ten times. Pop then adjusted later in the game to putting LaMarcus really deeper in the paint where, again, that little bump wouldn't have worked. And, you know, he scored a couple of times. But, you know, I I don't think they uh, adjusted too well. Until they really get, you know, look at that Warriors defense, what they're giving him, what they're giving all of those uh, big guys and what can they, what they can do about it. And then also be comfortable with uh, really exposing that. Uh, I, I, I don't see them having a big impact. So, no, I don't see Pau Gasol doing much facing up to the basket unless he, you know, winds it back maybe 10 years. Yeah, I, I, uh, I saw the same things. I, I, I was hoping you were going to go there. Uh, and, you know, Pau and LaMarcus both. Now, LaMarcus is having – you know, one game, but he's having a great series so far. He closed out Houston really strong. Um, it's tough to discount anything that Lamarcus is doing, but he suffers from the same problem that that Powell does here. And and you're calling it. They're wanting to post up back to the basket and take a a ton of time, a ton of time before they initiate their move. And when Powell was doing it, he'd get the ball there in the post and deeper than than Lamarcus did, of course. Uh, and he, he would do a couple of dribbles, and then you started seeing the, the Warriors' defense just collapse on him. And as soon as that second defender gets over there, you'd like to see Powell either swing the ball to the open guy, but what he's doing is just continuing his dribble and kind of fighting through it. And it's getting it's just very problematic. Now, what he needs to do is catch the ball in that deep post and then make a quick move. What you were calling out for LaMarcus to do last series uh, you know, Powell needs to, to drink a little bit of that. So if he's going to go with his back to the basket, it's got to be a quick move. He can't let that um, that warrior defender collapse on him. But I'm I'm with you too. I'd like to just see him at the rim, uh, you know, facing the basket and, and just doing a lot, of, being really aggressive right there. And and that's not what we're getting. We're getting these weird sets with Powell Gasol. I mean, Ben, what are you seeing with Powell? Because he had no impact in that game. He was he was not great. He was not good. Not he even using fouls even, right, you know? Not uh, Exactly. He wasn't even, I was going to say, if you want a guy to, to throw in for foul purposes, you might as well throw in Dwayne Dedman. Mm-hmm. At least he's going to move on defense, and he's not going to be nearly as slow-footed. Right. Um, I, I expect him to get some time this series. He, he, I know he's not an offensive threat, and I know— Neither is Powell. You know, he doesn't—well, he doesn't, yeah, the way Powell's been playing, he hasn't been one either. So at least with Dedman, you have, you have a different— look where he's a much more athletic than Pau Gasol. So if you get him on a P and uh, pick and roll, you know, you have the alley-oop threat from him. You have to go cover that to potentially open someone else up. And 
Dwayne Denman can get out on the perimeter and guard guys like Draymond Green if he needs to. So I would I would hope with Pagasol looking like he did that Pop considers Denman for some minutes. Mm-hmm. But like you guys have been saying, Pagasol and Lamarcus Aldridge have not been making a quick enough move when they get it in the post. What they need to, and like you said, what they need to do is they need to if they're going to make their move, it needs to be a quick one, get to the bucket. Or if they're going to take their time and do that, you have to turn, face the basket, be bigger than the man who's guarding you, and you have to pass the ball to an open man. If you're getting doubled, obviously someone's open. You need to find him. You need to identify the man who's coming off to double. I think that was the biggest problem. That led to some really bad turnovers for LaMarcus late in the game. He he finished with a nice line of – 28 points and eight rebounds. I personally thought he should have had more boards, but uh, you know, that's a good game for him, but he needed to, he, he, there were opportunities for him to make plays that he should have. And he didn't. So I think that needs to be addressed. The other thing that needs to be addressed is how they're going to make up for Kawhi Leonard in game two. Obviously that's a huge concern, but do you give Jonathan Simmons some minutes? Do you give, Bertans minutes does Kyle Anderson get even more minutes now he was he was all right the minutes he was in mm-hmm. he played almost 10 minutes he was a minus three but you know pretty much everyone who went in after Kawhi Leonard was a minus because right. they were up by so many points and the Warriors won so pretty much everyone was going to be a minus but you know all things considered a minus three out of everything else that happened with whoever else was on the floor is pretty good well, um you- you know, before you even get to the injury, just close out at that first half. I mean, you know, Spurs go in to Oakland, and they put up 62 points in the first half. You know, and Golden State's obviously, uh, you know, a great defensive team. I don't know how that snuck up on us, but they're a great defensive team, and they have been all year long, so I guess it's not sneaky. But in the overall arc of things, you, you just don't think of them that way, and yet they are. Um, you score 62 on them. They only put in 42 on you. You're pretty satisfied with that, clearly. But what were the Spurs doing defensively to limit Golden State to to 42 points in that first half, Ben? They were rebounding the ball really well, both defensively and offensively. They they out rebound. I'm pretty sure they out rebounded them in both of those categories the first half by pretty good margins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're if you're scoring 62 points, obviously you're not giving them a whole lot of rebounds to get out and get on fast breaks which they like to do Mm -hmm. so that's part of it as well and then the breakdown in the second half was literally no one was rebounding there was not a single box out that i saw just there there, i remember the one possession where the warriors got they actually got three good looks the first two don't fall and they keep getting the board because san antonio is standing at the rim looking for the ball rather than finding a body and boxing someone out because if they had just boxed someone out, they they get the board and you don't get you don't get the momentum change that you did off that Curry three and Warriors fans go insane and change the complexion of the game. Right, you just don't. You're talking about Ginobili. Just say Ginobili. Yeah. No, sure it he, was I'm every sure he... no, it was everyone. It was, I'm not going to call one person out. It was everybody. Everyone who was on the floor was staring at the ball, not boxing out a single soul. I, I mean. Danny Green had an opportunity. LaMarcus Aldridge had an opportunity. 
I think Patty Mills had an opportunity at that point. Everyone who was on the floor for that particular possession had an opportunity to get the ball and either didn't box out or just stared at the ball as it went by them. It wasn't just one person. That's the problem. If it was just one person, I, we could point him out and say, okay, yank that guy. Get him out of the game. But what's Pop going to do? Yank all five guys near the end of the game like that for not, for not grabbing a board? He can't do that. He can. It I mean, was can. one it's game, stupid. Sir. Well, anyways, anyways, there was one game where five of my best players did not rebound. So I put six of the shortest guys in there and they rebounded like crazy. And I said, hey, y'all, y'all mad yet? Y'all, you know, look at these guys. That's what Pop should have done. I really well, think you, at least I mean, they should have put six Jose, people on the court. What do you mean? I was you just, say, I mean, no, putting five. six sorry. people in, you should sorry. be boarding sorry. the ball. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just hyped up about this, you know? <laughs> well, Screw I mean, you, Zaza. Look what you're doing. Yeah, Jose, no, there uh, was a time in the first half where the, the Warriors had more turnovers than they had field goals. Yeah. I mean, that's the Kawhi <laughs> effect. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's the, he's the best defender in the world, right? He's the best player in the world. I, I really do think so now, uh, especially after his team blows a twenty-four point lead. I mean, there's only, but yeah, I mean, I think that was the Kawhi effect. They put so much attention on Kawhi that I think everybody felt loose. Everybody, you know, right. that that's why everybody was aggressive. Now you take that fact that that factor out, and now suddenly they can all play man defense on everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, th- th- that's where I think the the. Uh, the no boxing out thing. I just think it was a punch in the gut. Everybody was out of energy. They they kind of knew they were going to lose the game. I hate to say it like that, but once he went down, I don't think, yeah. you know, uh, Paul Garcia does a really good job of you know when when the Warriors are down or up, uh, he he'll tweet perfectly you know the situation, and it's sort of like he's he's saying and I tweeted this out to him too, you know a twenty one point deficit for the Warriors is basically seven free throws. Uh, not free throws, seven uh, three-pointers, sorry. Right. Seven three-pointers, which are free throws to them, you know? So it's it's not really that big of a lead when you really think about how, you know, what type of shots they're always throwing up. So uh, I I think they just felt, you know, out of gas. That I think they knew the it was just about time for the Warriors to make that run, and they didn't have any, any motivation uh, against it. That's it. Well, I want to read this quote by Popovich talking about Zaza Pachulia, and, uh, and of course, this now infamous move here. I want to read this quote, and then I, I want to talk through that, that injury. I mean, because remember, he had two of them in this game, uh, the last one obviously being the one that put him out. So here, here's Pop's quote. Um, he called that, that, of course, dangerous, you know, that move dangerous and unsportsmanlike. Uh, here's the start of the quote. Because Zaza has this history, it just can't be, oh, this is inadvertent. He didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You go to jail. I think when you're texting and you end up killing somebody, you might not have intended to do that. All I care about is what I saw. All I care about is what happened and the history there that exacerbates the whole situation and makes me very, very angry. If he would have played, he continues to say, if he would have played and they ended up winning, I'd go to dinner, I'd have a glass of wine, I'd wake up the next day, I'd go to practice, and I'd move on. But this is crap. And he goes on to cite some of the, you know, when Zaza was a, was a maverick and David West was a spur and some of the scuffles that they'd get into. I mean, and I, I recall, not just against the Spurs, but just in general, Zaza does this crap all the time. All the time. And while I feel, I mean, it's tough for me to look at that play, especially in real time, and say it was intentional. But there's got to be something there. I mean, like, muscle memory of dirty players 
it will get you into those situations. I mean, other people aren't getting finding themselves in that situation, yet Zaza always finds himself in that situation. I don't, Jose, what, what do you think about that? just that play? I mean, can you break down that play at all? And, and then I ask you, too, I mean, do you think it was a dirty play? Well, he put his foot under Kawhi's ankle. I mean, I, I don't know how to break it down, bro. Um, is it a dirty play? I'm going to put it this way, okay, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm to give a big old definition on why it's a yes. I, I, I've told you guys, you know, when I first got into basketball, I didn't, I could not score. I tried to be Michael Jordan, and I just couldn't be Michael Jordan. Uh, so my friend said, why don't you just be a defensive guy like Bruce Bowen? And I would watch Bruce Bowen, and I would see his mannerisms, and, you know, there would be a little, t- you know, a few times where he would put his foot under some guys. And, uh, you know, I thought it was dirty, but I thought it, sometimes it was something, you know, to send a message, especially if it was against the best player, i.e. at that time, Steve Francis, Vince Carter, uh, Tracy McGrady, you know, guys that, you know, would get hurt uh, when he would do that. Uh, I think it's a dirty play, but uh, I just think, honestly, sometimes it's a basketball play to send a message. I think that's what he was doing because, you know, again, Kawhi was just torching them. So what do you do? You go and you send a message. Uh, the the sucky thing is that San, it's only that San Antonio's only legitimate superstar right now. Right, right. So again, they feel it more than you know if Kawhi would do it to Steph Curry because they would have three or four more guys. I, I definitely think it was a dirty play before. I think it's a dirty play now. Uh, but I'm gonna say something that you know this is just my opinion, but I think it's very. Uh, it's going to be a controversial opinion, especially if you're a Warriors fan. I don't think it was a spontaneous play either. Uh, when you see the reactions in Alex Kennedy uh, from, I think, I, I forget what side it's at, at Alex Kennedy NBA, Paul Garcia retweeted it. You know, he was saying, look, these guys are so much in sync that they all put up the same reaction. I think it was Draymond Green and Steph Curry after the whistle was called. And that that seems sort of fishy to me. The fact that they all three of those guys had a, had the same reaction at the same call when they didn't even know what was going on, you know? And it sort of takes me back to that 07 series with the Suns. You know, San Antonio was getting beat down by uh, by the Suns. The the tides were turning, or so we thought. So what happens? Robert Ory spontaneously, quotation marks, goes and hip-checks Steve Nash. All the Spurs are kind of quiet. They don't even get up after a big hit like that. First thing you would want to do, it doesn't matter what side you're on, you're ready You're ready to defend your boys. I, I don't care what side you're on, whether you're the Suns or the Spurs. The Suns overreacted, obviously, uh, but the Spurs stayed calm. I've always thought that was sort of a coaching maneuver type of thing, uh, but at the same time, it wasn't really to hurt. I, I think Nash flopped anyways. That, that's beside the point. <laughs> the fact that these don't guys Don't tell that to his bleeding nose. Oh, he, it, it, it's WWE style, I'm sure, you know, probably oh some, he had a little some, razor over there underneath the score. No, some Whataburger ketchup packets. And he right. just like, oh, ah, my, my nose. Uh, but anyways, I think, you know, the fact that it just seems fishy to me uh, that Kawhi was on fire and Zaza just honestly, he he's known for other hits, you know, elbows to the face, grabbing guys, arms, but not really a perimeter play like that. And remember, he's the only expendable guy on there. I think JaVale McGee is more important than Zaza at this point of their careers and on that team. I think it was a coaching maneuver. Uh, You know, that's just my opinion. But again, the fact that those three guys reacted the same way at the same time, it's it's fishy to me. Uh, It's something that I hate to think that somebody would really want to see that happen. But again, uh, Mike Brown knows the Spurs. The Spurs know Mike Brown. Uh, I, I think it was just a coaching maneuver. Dirty play. So it's think, always been a dirty play. You think but Mike I, I Brown think, called in the hit? I wouldn't be surprised. 
Yo, I don't think Mike Brown is intelligent enough to call it. That is a hot sports opinion right there. I'm just saying. The man has proven incompetence before. Well, I I agree with you, but I mean, look at the situation he's in. He's never had a team that has had that much of an advantage on, you know, in the Vegas sheets and whatever. I mean, he has the favorite right now. He's taking over for a guy who's sick. You know, all the pressure is on him. There's one guy that's torching you. What do you do? You, I, I think you asked him to, you know, I, I don't think he, maybe he was, it wasn't a blatant hit. Maybe he just said, you know, give him a hard foul or something. And Zaza went in, you know, sort of thought about it too much. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? But I, I just, I mean, it's too much of a coincidence. All those things coming together is too much of a coincidence for me personally. I'm, I want to make a note that it's my personal opinion before anybody says that, you know, attacks Ryan. Ryan has many uh, opinions to be attacked over. This is not one. <laughs> it's not, uh, well, I, I'm with you until the point where it's Mike Brown called in, in the hit. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here thinking that it's, a, it's an intelligence factor. But I just feel like – and I didn't see – and Ben, I mean, what are you doing to that microphone over there? Good God. I'm not doing anything, surprisingly. You don't want to know. So, yes, somebody's okay. taking some very serious and very specific racket over there. <laughs> but okay. I was going well. to say that um, I, I just feel like I didn't see any of the, um, the uh, you know, collaboration on the reaction, right, or any of the choreography that you're saying happened. I'll have to go look at that at – that, uh, I, was there a video or something of it that that was shown? Yeah, I'm sure it's on the Twitter somewhere. Yeah, I want to go go back and look at that. But you know, just on the surface, I looked at that and said, "It's a, I I, I can't believe. I mean, it's just one of these in Zaza's mind. Did he think of that all the way through? That he's going to get underneath this guy's legs and put his feet under there? Is he talented enough as a perimeter defender to do that in the right way? Um, you know, or is the guy just from muscle memory is just going to do dirty things? And for me, I'm almost talking myself out of my own argument here because, uh, you know, it's like, is it, is it muscle memory? Well, how could it be muscle memory? Because he doesn't defend people on the perimeter. He doesn't do that, that you know, two, the, the two-step, you know, closeout on a shot. You know, you usually either just run into the guy, right, just take him out. As a as a big guy like Zaza, or you you know you get vertical, but you don't really do that kind of coordinated two step closeout underneath the guy's feet. But you know he didn't he wasn't looking down. He wasn't trying to to. T- I mean, it's just very. It, it's like the best. If it was intentional, it's the best acting job ever uh, from Zaza. I don't know, Ben. What, how did you feel about it? Uh, I. So I saw it. When I saw it in real time, I said, okay, that might not have been incidental, but that was pretty, pretty dirty. That was a dirty play. You don't, your intent, like Pop said, your intent doesn't matter. It can still be a dirty play. Right. And I look at the replay and I see him come out to, to put his hand up on the shooter. And yes, he might have turned, he turned his head to look at where the shot went. But after he turned his head, he took another step. Why would you take another step? If, you, if the shot's already up and there's nothing you can do about the shot, why would you take another step toward the shooter knowing that the rule is in place that you have to let the shooter come down on his feet? He has to come down and he has to be able to land. That's been a rule. That, and 
for very good reason. For this specific instance, that is why it is a rule. Because you have to protect shooters. And, you know, that – and it's funny because that rule has actually been abused by shooters this postseason. I've seen it a lot. Guys will put people on their back as they're going through screens and create their own contact on the perimeter, throw up a shot, and get three free throws. Of course, this was not like that because it was in the corner and there was no there was no screen that was used. It was just Pachulia uh, closing out very poorly. And whether you have muscle memory or not, you have always been taught how to properly close out on any shooter – wherever he is Mm -hmm. and it's not to do what he did you chop your feet you come up with your hands up and then if they haven't shot it you're down in your defensive stance now of course he shot it so at that point your hands are supposed to be up and you're not you cannot be under the shooter it's it's just dirty i thought it was intentional after watching replay but of course you know slow-mo replay will make anything look nastier than it is yes yes Definitely. Yeah. So, so how do you? Th- I mean, the Spurs, they they blow the lead anyway, um, which is again is not surprising because you know I was I was tweeting the same thing, Jose, that it's like that's when they were up by twenty five or I think at, I don't know they were up by twenty one or something that when when Kawhi went out, um, I said that's seven shots. I mean, they're the the Warriors are definitely coming back into this. Uh, Steph Curry goes crazy, forty points. Durant has I think thirty four points or so. Um, and they just they just kill it. Clay Thompson had a bad night, but other than that, they were on fire. Draymond Green didn't score, um, but you have those two guys, you know, two former MVPs. Yeah, between the two of them, they got three MVPs. Uh, you knew that they were coming back. That you know, the Spurs were out their best player. I agree, man. They just looked deflated. Lamar, you know, they were able to uh, play Lamarcus more aggressively than they were when Kawhi was in there, and it, it just to me, it just it, it's. It smelled like a loss, right? As soon as Kawhi went out, it just you know you could see the dominoes start to fall, and unfortunately, the Spurs wasted, you know, Manu's thirty-nine-year-old game of his life. Uh, you know, it, Manu was playing amazingly, except for a couple of series, like you were saying, Ben, where it just looked sluggish on trying to get that, re- you know, to get rebounds or re- even just boxing out your guy. I mean, Steph Curry had seven rebounds, uh, you know, in that game. I mean, Manu find a body, you know. Um, so, so we saw that a little bit sluggish. I think David Lee had, you know, a, again, a, an amazing game uh, for that guy. Uh, it was it's, just- and it's so funny you say that. And I agree with you. But he took, he took one shot and missed it. But he had seven boards and an assist, and he was plus 15. He was the next best player on the Spurs in that regard behind Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all because, I mean, David Lee – I, and I, I talked about him as, as one of the keys to the series. Just be aggressive, do all the do all the Tiago splitter type of work, and you're not going to get it in the stat line. I was surprised that he only had one shot, right? But uh, when you just read his line, but uh, you know he's he's an impact guy in a lot of different ways. How are you? So Spurs blow this one. Um, you know, ended up losing by two. Had a nice little opportunity there at the, at the very end to try to tie. Uh, didn't really work out. So Spurs Spurs lose this game, waste their opportunity to Golden State. Real quickly, moving on to game two, which is Tuesday night. So tomorrow, we're recording this Monday, so tomorrow night um, in Golden State. Not necessarily a quick turnaround, but a turnaround that's going to prohibit Kawhi from playing in game two. 
guys, what what uh, are we expecting out of the Spurs in, in Golden State for Game 2? I mean, is this a, they go into this and just totally lay an egg? Are they going to stand up and fight back in Game 2? Are we going to see some thuggery out of San Antonio? And, uh, you know, how are they going to play against this Golden State Warriors attack that seems to have found their way there in the second half? Um, what does a, a loss smell like? But anyways, uh, you know. It smells like broken dreams. I, 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 th- I think they'll try. I think they'll know. It's sort of like, hey, we have no chance of winning this, so let's try to go out and win it. Let's leave it all out on the floor. Uh, if this was San, any San Antonio Spurs team before 2009 or 2000, uh, really 2004 through 2008, where you had a Robert Ory on the team, I would have expected a hit when that happened with Kawhi. Right. I think maybe if they're down 20, somebody finds the cojones on this team to lay out somebody. I'm not saying career-ending injury. I'm not saying to, you know, break their arm or anything like I'm that. I'm just saying maybe to twist their ankles so that they can't play in game. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I, I'm with yeah. you. Don't, don't ruin some guy's career. But, dude, what does it take to, to give the guy a flat tire? Go do that. Yeah, or, I mean, Bertans with his nine fingers just – Purple Nurple somebody. You <laughs> well, know, no, just something. Goodness. No, but, but who's going to be the guy? Who's going to – because last year you would say, even though this never really worked out much to my chagrin, um, David West was that guy, right? Um, you know, he was the guy that you looked at and said, oh, he's going to be the enforcer if they ever get into that. And, of course, they never did. Who on this Spurs team could be that guy? I, I don't see a single t- a guy except David Lee, who's way too valuable to get into that kind of garbage, right? Oh, I, I see only who's the Dwayne guy? Dedman. Dwayne Dedman is a potential candidate. Yeah, but he he wouldn't do. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to like to bring two things together here, but isn't that guy like uber religious? Like the way he was raised, I, like he would never do that, right? <laughs> like, I was going to mention that. I was going to say, you know, them Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be watching this play, right? Uh, you know, no, I would say two guys in that uh, Bertans. I really think Bertans would be a guy to do to do something like right. that because again we saw him in Boston he he you know sort of got into Sean it Bradley. I forgot with who yeah yeah, or, yeah I, I forgot anyways but him or I could even see my boy Dejounte Murray if, mm. if he does this sticks up for a teammate or just lays out a quick hit I know that he's kind of you know he's not the biggest guy out there but again if he shows that heart uh, I I think it, you know especially next season he could get Popovich's favor i really think already just give him the keys to the kingdom in the point guard position mm-hmm. uh, i think the spurs did extremely well with him on the floor but if he could send out a message him or bertans i think it would help them out with the team next season to get that comfort level uh and that respect from their teammates that they're not really pushovers so i, I would Mur- say those two murray was a plus seven by the way when he was on the floor um yeah. had some really nice moments i thought at the end of that game too but uh if if Dejounte murray performs a hit on someone yeah the san antonio spurs fans will never ever let him be traded anywhere for any reason <laughs> well if he you will... hear this just on Desante, do it no yeah. i mean i'll get your jersey oh come on you well, guys are... uh, but seriously work. like fit the fans would go insane for Dejounte murray yeah I, I look at it and say, I mean, you've got to put on a guy who would naturally, and, and I'm not talking about like let's go out and break some legs. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm totally there with you, Jose. It you got to go and you got to stand up, you got to be physical, you got to be aggressive. Um, but I'm not talking about going out there and breaking legs. But you you know, hit hit somebody hard, like show some guts, right? Because you know the Warriors are doing it, and you know that Draymond wouldn't get at wouldn't stop doing it. But let me let me put it this way. 
the, you know, the tide turned for the Cavaliers last year in the finals when Draymond won out. And you know that dude's got a short fuse. And you know that Zaza's got a short fuse. And I look at both of those guys and say, well, you can't put like a DeJounte, you can't send DeJounte Murray after Draymond. Because one, he'll get killed. And then two, it's just, an, it's unnatural. It looks like, you know, you're trying to, to get under these guys' skin. The guy I'm looking at um, is the same guy who got under Vince Carter's skin in that first round. I'm saying send Kyle Anderson after him, and it would look funny because Kyle Anderson just you know it just doesn't it doesn't seem natural. But you've got to have you have to have a big go against one of those two guys. Everything would happen in slow motion. Yeah, it would be it would be the <laughs> slowest fight ever. But um, he's got a way of agitating people, uh, and he's big enough to I mean that it would be a natural thing if he were going against Draymond and agitating, getting under his skin and causing, you know, a little bit of a melee against Draymond. You could see that. Zaza, why not? I mean, you could have, um, you know, you could have him come in and, and give a hard hit. He's a big dude. I could see that happening. And Kyle Anderson is a guy who, although he played really well, I mean, nobody's looking at this series and saying, oh, the key is Kyle Anderson. I mean, he's, he's limited minutes at best. And so you, what do you really lose if you lose Kyle Anderson? You, you know, so uh, you, you remember – you remember that scene in Austin Powers where uh, he he was using that little bull or you know th- the thing to run them over, and he and the other guy was screaming like no, but they were so far away. That's how I picture Kyle Anderson just running at somebody. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's uh, awesome. But you know, uh, maybe he could. Th- there was a play, and they will remain anonymous. But uh, when I was coaching the youth league, there was a, a guy who would try to get under my player's skin, and he would you know just touch them in places that you know, and, and oh, they, my. like like he's you know like he's pinching me here and all this uh maybe kyle anderson can do that just get under his skin and just yeah. put your hands up like you're not doing it. I, I agree with you but see if kyle does that then we won't want him traded ever and that's going to lead to ryan's demise with his first <laughs> well no they'll never trade him they should just cut him oh my goodness no but I, I i really I, I do think that um i think that's the key because i think and he's already shown a propensity for that, and I would love to see that go the, the full extent. You're going to have to play Kyle Anderson more because of Kawhi being out. I think if you could get, if you can get um, Draymond or Zaza, draw them off sides, you know, uh, to where they they initiate it. I mean, that could be a real motivator. And Draymond's a dirty player. Zaza is going to be officiated so damn closely here on out. Um, you have to hope anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he will. Of course he will. I mean, this is – Popovich says so, that it was dirty. And, you know, because that's a guy who would ne- – he never would say that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he says it's dirty. The, the league's going to listen to that. And so, I mean, he's always working the refs. You know, I mean, he's a smart guy. I mean, obviously. And he's um, – you know, everything is, is strategic. So they're going to follow them closely. They have no wiggle room. I think they should get Kyle Anderson to, like you said, Jose, just agitate the hell out of those two guys and try to get them to, to initiate something, you know. Is this going to be a take that for data game? <laughs> yeah, uh, why not? I mean, it could be. It definitely I could want be. This. Yes. So I want it so bad. Well, let's quit there while we're ahead. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, I guess this will come out tomorrow, but uh, Tuesday night, game two. So that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. But, of course, you already knew that. Ben, where can these folks find you on the Twitterverse? At the underscore Boomstein. 
All right. Follow <laughs> with sound effects too. So follow us or any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Go to ProjectSpurs.com. Read everything they've got going about the awful conclusion to game one and, and what to look forward to, keys to the game for game two. Jose, Ben, thank you guys. And to you listeners, you're welcome. <laughs>